Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are listening live or listening on replay on SoundCloud, on iTunes, or watching this on YouTube or Vimeo. My name is Art Jones, and I'm the principal consultant at The Art of Standing Out, where we use brand strategy, storytelling, and design thinking to help you market better so you can sell more. And my co-host today, or my guest, is Monique Alvarez. And, and Monique, why don't you take a few minutes and, and tell our audience a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Thank you for having me, Art. Well, a little bit about myself. I'm a mother of two babies. I have a one and two-year-old. And my family, my husband and I, and two boys were living in San Carlos, Mexico. And Derek and I, we started our journey as entrepreneurs about eight years ago. And it's evolved. And I'm looking forward to discussing more of where we've been and where we are and where we're going with you today. Fantastic. Um, I should... The, the preamble to this conversation is about a year ago um, at a networking event at BJ's uh, restaurant here in Tucson, Arizona, um, where generally 50, 60, 70 people would join over lunch to do networking. I saw Monique come in as the chief marketer, chief public relations officer for Derek Alvarez Art. And I was intrigued. I said, who is this person? You know, I'm always intrigued by artists. Um, but I was intrigued enough to introduce myself. And, and, and we had an offline chat. And in that phone call, I found out that she is not just a, a, a PR and marketing whiz, that she has, it seemingly from birth, had, I could use the term wanderlust because she's traveled the world. But I think it's more than wanderlust. There's something about making meaning in her life and the lives of other people that has resonated from a very early age that I discovered about Monique um, in that phone conversation that we had. And I guess we can talk a little bit about that as we go through our conversation. But then just, what, two months ago? How long have you been in Mexico? Only about five weeks. About five weeks ago, I saw on Facebook that Monique was no longer in the United States again. She uh, ventured off and is now uh, in Mexico. I guess you're how many hours from Tucson? It's about six hours drive. Six hours from Tucson, Arizona, where I am based and where just five weeks ago Monique was. And so she's pulled up stakes and she's a digital nomad now. Um, but Monique, if I could ask you this, this question, um, and, and just before we went on air, I was talking about Elizabeth Gilbert, and we both read the book Big Magic. I had fun with that book. Um, I never read Eat, Pray, Love. I think I may have seen some of the movie, but I, I, I like Elizabeth Gilbert. So one day I was looking at a TED Talk or something, and <clears throat> Elizabeth Gilbert was talking about um, she would always present from the podium and, and tell people, find your passion and your life will be good. Everything will be perfect after you find your passion. And her whole, our presentation was built on this notion to find your purpose, find your passion. And after one of these presentations, within a few days of her last presentation, she checked her mail and in the mail was a letter from someone that had been in her audience. And the woman was writing the letter saying, I was in your audience and your presentation made me feel terrible mm -hmm. because I, am someone who's never found my purpose. I have not found my passion. And Elizabeth Gilbert said, wow, 
she felt bad because this was the crux of her presentation, telling people to find their purpose. And here was somebody writing to her saying, oh my gosh, you made me feel awful because I've not done that yet. So in reflecting on that moment, Elizabeth Gilbert said, let me change my tune. Her new presentation says, some people are born like jackhammers, right? Or like laser beams. They know from the age of seven, my dad was a dentist. I want to be a dentist and bingo. When they're 27 years old, they're a dentist. Everything they did from the age of seven to when they became a dentist was focused on becoming a dentist, like a laser. And Elizabeth Gilbert goes on to say that some people are like hummingbirds or like bumblebees. And they go from flower to flower or from experience to experience, um, from this job to that job, from this thing, that thing. And one day, all of those experiences in aggregate come together to say, you know, you've accumulated some pretty amazing skills. And, and with those skills, you can do this. You can fix that thing that's broken in the world. And that is the person that's more like a hummingbird or a bumblebee. But eventually, they find their purpose. It's not today, maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's next year, but it's on their journey, it comes to them. <clears throat> and I wanted to say all of that to, to kind of say that that sets the table for us to talk a little bit about your journey, which again, I find um, amazing because weren't you 17 when you went to? Well, I was 19 when I went to Burma. I had this uh, idea that I was gonna go to this country that that I heard of, but was exactly on the other side of the world. And sure enough, I did. I went and spent a summer there, and I believe who worked with street kids who didn't have anyone or anything in the world. And I'm, I grew up in a very small town of people, so that completely <laughs> blew the lid off of my world. And I, I could never go back to how I thought the world looked before. That was it. That, that's amazing. And, you know, we could talk a lot about Burma, We, but Burma is not the only place that you traveled to. After 19, you left Burma and you went somewhere else. Did you come back home before you continued your journey? I did. I came back to the States for a little while and I went to Albania at age 21 and I volunteered in an orphanage. There, a state orphanage. I actually lived there and I was with the kids 24 hours a day and I was there for years um, just after the Kosovo crisis and then I went straight to Kenya I was at an HIV um, baby orphanage there and I, come back to, I came back to the states and then I went back to Albania I've been to Albania a million times and I bounced back and forth until I moved to Tucson um, I guess it's about 10 years ago and then I, I met my husband Derek so <clears throat> You know, the thing I find interesting about your journey is that when we talked on the phone that day and you said you went to Burma at 19, I was like, Burma is the place that Americans are, please don't go to Burma is what the State Department says. Um, so, so you went to one of the most uh, strife-torn parts of the world from Colorado? From Colorado, yes. That's amazing to me. Uh, and, and it still informs much of what I think I know about you is that there's, there's no fear and, and a complete dedication to being in service to others that need, that have less than you do. Um, well, you know, our, I was privileged to grow up the way that I did. I grew up in a small town surrounded by all of my family. Both sides of my family lived there. I grew up 
We have two parents who own businesses. Uh, I never lacked anything. If I wanted something, it was there. I never knew what any sort of struggle was like. And yet there was a part of me that knew that everyone's life wasn't like mine. And my grandma gave me the gift of National Geographic when I was about five years old. And I told myself, I can remember the exact place of my grandma's house. And I told myself, I will go see all of these places. And I, I went to see all of the places that I said I would go. And then the list just expands. But part of what my journey has been about is once I decide I'm going to do something, it doesn't matter what the State Department says or the critic says or sometimes even what my family had to say or anyone, my business partner. Once, you know, Derek will tell you, once I get an idea in my mind, you might as well just step out of the way because it will happen. And that's, that's what I've said to, and it works for me. Yeah, and, and you know, you've covered more more uh, more territory than most people do in a lifetime in 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 yours already you know uh, burma kenya albania a zillion times always in service to someone that has less than you always in service to to help uh people accomplish more and um talk a little bit about the the work that you do today i mean if we pivot from burma albania and kenya you know aid hospitals in, in war-torn Albania um, to Tucson, Arizona. Because when I met you, you were um, primarily, your husband is a great artist, and you were promoting his work at a very high level and, and helping the business that you and he founded go high and wide. And I guess about a year ago, you pivoted to say, I've done this so well for, for our business. Let me help other creatives mm -hmm. accomplish more. Talk about the founding of that, that business and the genesis of, of how that came to be. Well, in 2008, when we started On Top Internet Marketing, we set out to help particularly baby boomers who knew that they wanted to make the shift to attract customers using the internet. So we did websites, we did social media, we did email marketing, SEO, pay-per-click. But when I had my voice, that is when the genesis began. And I think if you ask any woman, she will tell you having children completely changes your life in a lot of ways. Obviously, your schedule changes, your priorities change. But for me specifically, Everything went on a much deeper level. So it wasn't just about providing marketing tools and marketing pieces for business owners. I started asking myself, who do I want to help most? Who am I most passionate about helping? What makes the most sense given my background, my experience? And creative professionals, of course, rose to the surface because Derek is an artist. He has always been an artist. He's like that laser, that child that knew, I will be an artist, and I'm an artist. And I know that a lot of creative professionals, writers, artists, speakers, they often struggle with the business side, and there aren't a lot of solutions for them. They often don't know where to go for help. And um, many of them have just become, you know, come to the place where they believe, well, 
the, the two worlds can't merge. Either I'm a starving artist or I go get a job that I hate and I just let go of the dream of being an artist. And I wanted to be able to pull them and say, no, we can do this and I'll show you how. And that was the beginning. And then um, it just continued to evolve from there. What I started in September of last year was a mastermind for myself. I wanted to have support for myself. And what I realized is if I pulled my creative professionals into the mastermind, into a group setting, they transformed even faster and deeper and they did more because most artists are such loners by nature. They're hermits. And so that was the beginning of an experiment that has grown into grown into so much more even since then. That's that's special. And I, I you know, I, it's music to my ears. Um, what you did, you know, the, 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 the boys, the babies were a pivot for you and made you go deeper in in an introspective way and said what, what I call creative self disruption. Mm -hmm. Creative self disruption is the notion that I'm going to take a, an x-ray of myself and see what skills that I've amassed over my life and what I've learned in academia, what I've learned by working with people, what I've learned from jobs I've had, and how can I apply that to the people that I really want to be in service to? And when, when all those skills and experiences line up with being in service to your ideal prospect creatives, mm -hmm. that's where the magic happens because you have really dedicated yourself like you have in the past, whether you were in Burma or Kenya or, or Albania, that kind of dedication is now the same dedication that you're committing to the creatives that you know you're in service to. And, and it sounds like you've really, you haven't stumbled on, you have, uh, you, you've latched on to mastermind as a vehicle for helping people accomplish more faster. Yes. Um, are your masterminds uh, open-ended, meaning that they just go and go and go? Or are they five-week masterminds, six-year masterminds? What kind of masterminds are you running? It's a good question. So up until now, I, I made the quarterly masterminds. I felt like that was a large enough chunk of time for people to experience transformation and a short enough time for me to get them to say yes, because getting people to commit for a long period of time can sometimes be you know, a, a challenge, especially when it's a new concept and they don't even know what I'm, you know, dragging them into. And so I think for myself as well, the quarter was perfect because every quarter since then I have tested, adapted, created curriculum, made edits, and actually starting in August, uh, I'm going to switch it up again. And the next one will run for a year because I feel like I've got my secret sauce just right. And I believe that a year one will be the right way to go at this point, because what I have discovered for the last two quarters is that about the time that we were really cracking things open and people were starting to really gain momentum and confidence and traction, then the mastermind would end. And so I want to give people an opportunity, women business owners, especially a chance to see what can happen in a year with this kind of dedication and support. That's neat. That's really neat. Um, let's let's go back to our, our title, uh, Monique Alvarez, How a Mastermind Gave Me Everything. 
crisis solution and growth. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, that's a fascinating uh, idea, and no doubt a, 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 a equally fascinating story associated with that. Well, I mentioned the boys were a pivot for me, and becoming a mom in and of itself is a pivot. But I also experienced challenges challenges with my boys. They didn't. Um, their entry into the world wasn't necessarily a smooth one. And so I spent time with both my children in intensive care at a very young age. And so when you are seeing the most precious people in your life in a very delicate and um, trying situation, of course you search and you go deep. And so that was my crisis is I said, you know what? living in the United States and just doing the classic all-American life. It is not enough for me. And of course, it's never been enough. That's why I have always traveled and I've always searched for ways to help others. But in particular, being in, in hospitals, I knew I didn't have enough of a support system around me in Tucson. So that's what the mastermind was born out of. I created a group of seven people and said, let's meet weekly because I need this. I knew, and everybody who's been through a crisis knows that either you're going to come out of that, you're going to pull out of that with support and you will have so much more internal fortitude than you've ever had, or it can begin to work on you and it can set you backward. You can begin to question yourself and life and God and why did this happen? and you can get lost in it. And some people get lost in it for years. So I did that as a way to keep myself out of a rut, keep myself out of going to those questions in those places. And immediately, within the first three months, it, I knew it was absolutely my solution. That's, that's neat. It's, you know, there's, you know, one of the questions that I like to ask entrepreneurs and, and founders like yourself is, you know, when you when you found the business, um, who were the mentors um, and guides that you may have called upon um, during that process? Um, it, would I be wrong in saying that the mastermind kind of became sort of a a mentor to you in a interesting kind of way, or is there a, is there a singular person that no. that you've always looked to? For, for kind of guidance as you go along your journey? Well, I would say both. When I remember one night in particular, I was up with Grant, my younger son, and I clearly heard, you need to form a mastermind and you need to do it now. And I had read about the concept of a mastermind. Derek and I were in a mastermind um, of sorts when we first started our business. There was eight of us who were starting internet marketing businesses. And so I said, okay. And by morning, I had began to talk myself out of it. Well, I don't know exactly how to lead one. I don't know who I would involve, all these things. And then I just clearly heard again, now, do it now. And so I have always relied on spiritual guidance. I have always asked my angels, my guides, my ancestors, God for help in every step of the way. And then the mastermind became the physical presence of that guidance and that support. And they were, they were absolutely um, the people that were my sounding board. They helped life make more sense in a time 
when it felt shaky. Wow. Cool stuff. Um, so the mastermind is the grounding yes. for you. Um, we know that being in service is part of who you are. It's just what you do. And, and being in service to your ideal prospect, you talked a little bit about that earlier. Can, can we circle back to that and, and give us some more granularity? But what I mean by that is when we say creatives, I mean, there, there's a creative salon in Manhattan that I've, I've attended where there's surgeons and accountants that say they're creatives. So creative is not, is not that singular, I'm a painter, I'm a dancer, I'm a, what, what type of creative is it that you resonates most with you? Um, and, and have you narrowed the focus to, I love working with artists that work in oil or, or what is it? No. And you know, the greatest thing that working with Derek and other creative professionals like him led me to realize is that I'm extremely creative. And in Big Magic, she re she talks about how saying a creative human is redundant. We are all creative. By nature, we are creative. I observe my, ki my kids and they're naturally creative. And I believe that that was a part of me that I had forgot or because nobody said to me in particular, you know, you're creative, you should X, Y, or Z. Then I just thought that was reserved for other people. And going through the mastermind, like I have three groups right now and some are painters, some are writers, some are speakers, but some have jobs that we wouldn't really consider to be creative, but they go about them in a very creative way. So, for example, I have a lady who she runs a fitness program and this whole campaign to um, help people who have recently been diagnosed with cancer. Mm. Now, you wouldn't necessarily think that's a creative field, but she's incredibly creative in how she goes about it. And that is the common theme that I'm finding. Not only am I attracted to, but they seem to flock to me and find me as well as, you know what, they're maybe that traditional way of doing business where everything is pretty staunch and black and white and here's the numbers that might not speak to them, but maybe the people who want to go about it creatively, people have a spiritual tone to their business, people who are heart centered, people who want to make a difference. Those are the people who keep coming around and I get to, to work and play with. That's, that's, that's neat. Um, you know, every journey, um, has a struggle. Um, have you been blessed with being able to avoid the, the struggle in every venture or even in this new, this last year as you've uh, reinvented your intention uh, to bring value to creatives uh, via these masterminds? Has it been just peaches and cream or has there been a bit of struggle in the process? Um, I would say I am not exempt from struggle. And sometimes, um, like when we first started our, our marketing business on top, in our first year, we hit $100,000. And a lot of people looked at us and go, you didn't even struggle to make that happen. I've been trying to get a business going for five years. I don't understand. But everybody experiences struggle in a different way. Um, for example, one of my biggest struggles in the last year is starting the mastermind with peers and 
testing it out, getting my own grounding, like you said, getting my vision for the next chunk, and then having to pull away from that original group and lead, right? So that can be a struggle. And a lot of times the struggle is an internal battle. It's right here. It's, it's this battle that goes on in the space in our head, being able to say, but you know, we started off together and we were all kind of on this conversation on that same playing field and it was give and take and they shared and I shared. But when I got to the point when I realized, no, this is mine to do. This mastermind isn't just about what I thought in the beginning. I must go out and lead this group and bring others along who need the same thing, who need support, who need direction. So that has been the biggest struggle in being able to pull away and say, now, now I'm leading this thing and here's where I want to go with it. And realizing that some people are not for that and some people absolutely are and being okay with that. Yeah. It's, you know, I firmly believe that, Everything that we do, when we do it well, we accept the mantle of responsibility to lead. Um, surely, in a mastermind format, um, you know there 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 are examples of people that they they are executives and they they uh, they have a team of fifteen people and they join hands with those fifteen people every morning at work and they say, "Okay, team, we're going to do this together because we're in this together." And, and then one day that executive uh, gets promoted and they have now 150 people and they know it worked and they go to the podium as they're introduced as the new leader. And they say, we're going to, I'm not sure what we're going to do, but together we are going to make this happen. And the people in the audience, those 150 people that are looking for leadership, what they hear is that I don't think she knows what she's, she's asking us to fix it. Right. But, She's our leader, but she doesn't sound like she wants to lead. You know, where the human condition is that we we were tribal mm -hmm. and every tribe has a leader. Yes. And and those of us that accept the mantle of responsibility to lead um, succeed because that's when you build community um, and, and that's when you can really bring bring value because leadership means you're doing the work to maintain that sense of leadership and sometimes a lot of times the work is internal the self-awareness that you talked about yes. that, that beats the the uh your own naysayers back to say i can do this and and then doing the work sure that the content that you're delivering is is high quality mm -hmm. and that is a incredible job that um, when you accept the responsibility it doesn't stop and so um, kudos to you for, for uh, like me, being a believer in this notion of leadership. It is so central to success of doing anything, I believe. Absolutely. I am a huge believer in leadership and also in asking more people to lead, particularly women in my case, and not, tell, not asking them to do something that I'm not willing to do. And, you know, another part of the struggle in stepping up and being the leader is not only modeling, but modeling and releasing everybody else's uh, beliefs and opinions. And I'll tell you, one of, 
you know, we talked about, oh, I moved to Mexico five weeks ago, and that's a huge dream of mine. I couldn't wait to move my family out of the country. And it sounds really wonderful. But for a lot of people, it wasn't a decision they supported. And one thing that I had to stand firm on is my clients don't get to tell me where I live. My mastermind members don't get to decide these decisions I do. And sometimes when we make those decisions, we think this is just about us, but it's not because whenever we make a move and we step courageously in our life, it's a ripple, right? Every single thing that we do affects others in some way. It causes them to look at their life or it causes them to have to adjust in one way or another. And maybe that adjustment is just meeting in a platform like this instead of in person, but any which way there's adjustments that have to be made. So true. It is so true. The, um, you know, we, we've, a lot of people have an evolution story mm. and I'm getting the sense that I, I you've been pretty constant. Mm. I mean, the, you've, you've pivoted, you've changed, but you've not evolved beyond where you were when you were 19. You've evolved beyond where you were at 19, but it's not a radical evolution. You've not, is that, is that a fair assessment? Am I kind of on the... I, I believe you're right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, because when I think, you know, I have these conversations and there's always in the journey, there's the origin story, right? And your your origin is what predates when you were 19. It's the, you're growing up and your grandmother and reading the National Geographics and your parents being business owners. And, and that's the origin of what makes Monique, Monique. And, and then there's the evolution and no doubt, you know, uh, Burma, there was growth and expansion taking place there and in Kenya and in Albania. But the theme is always seems to be, I mean, has sounds like it's been fairly constant that it's always about your personal growth. Um, your, your, your responsibility to lead has always been there. Right. And, and it's developing that leadership skill um, and always being committed to fixing something broken in the world. It's, it's true. I think when I, anytime I'm at that new thing, that new thing that I'm asking myself to do or that I have the idea for, and if I feel shaky or if I feel like, oh, okay, we're going to do this, I can think back on one of those experiences that you just listed off and I can go, this you've done it before. This is what you've always done. And sometimes it's just a different manifestation of it, but essentially it's the same thing. And once I remember that, then I re remember who I really am. And then the rest is just simple walk it out steps. You know, I'm a firm believer that once we get it internally, the external work is, is by far the easiest, honestly. Yeah, and I, I, I use storytelling a lot, and a lot of people think storytelling is to call your audience to action, um, to lead with the stories. A compelling story will get your tribe to respond. The, the truth is the stories that are most powerful are the stories we tell ourselves Yes. Um, about who we are. And I, I refer to those stories as our narrative mm -hmm. is like the programming that runs in the operating system that makes us do what we do. And when that narrative is kind of wonky or, mm -hmm. or screwed up, 
we don't wake up in the morning full of fire and passion for what we're doing. But when that narrative gets aligned with with our purpose, gets aligned with fixing something broken in the world and knowing who we're in service to, when that narrative is 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 lockstep with that kind of intention, is it's unstoppable. Absolutely. Um, but but that's requires work and um you know mindfulness certainly is a is a big part of that work because you you know i liken it to finding that happy place where you can sit under that tree or walk in the field and and just in the quiet you know sometimes that's the way you'll find that intention um but you have to find that place first and and a lot of us in 2016 with the pace of life in the tornado, as I like refer to it in the, the, our daily lives is so complex that often people don't know how to find that, that space to do the self work, to become in tune with who they are, to then nurture themselves so they can be better leaders so they can do and accomplish more in the world. Um, but you've been doing that work um, at an amazing level. Kudos to you. Thank you. Um, are there other products aside from Mastermind that, that you're developing or, or currently have? Yes. And if you hear some noise outside, it sounds like my neighbor's welding or something. So <laughs> just so you know, that's what's going on over there. Okay. Yes. So I have the Mastermind. I actually just announced that I'm going to be hosting retreats. And the first one will be in October. It'll be here in San Carlos. And then... In about a week and a half, I'll be releasing my first e-course, and it's called Manifest More Now. And it's essentially answers the question uh, that I get most often is, how have you manifested so many things in your life so quickly? And in that course, I address how to get what you want. And part of that is all of the stuff that you just mentioned, knowing ourselves, knowing what we want. And it's not just the businesses. It's not just the money. One of my greatest desires was having children. And um, that was that was one I had to do a lot of internal work on. Um, but it this course is designed to help anyone who wants to create the life that they want know how to do it, starting, starting with that mental dialogue, like, like you mentioned, understanding that there is one figuring out what it's saying and then changing it and adapting it so that that subconscious mind is working in our favor. And, you know, I have to say you brought up such a good point. Sometimes it's just being still long enough. And that's what I love about living overseas. And in the last five weeks since being here every single day, just about, I would say like 95% of the time I've taken a, a two to three hour nap and out of those naps, these new things were born because it was, I I believe, and a lot of spiritual teachers will say, well, we're sleeping. We're not in a resistant state. We're just allowing ideas to flow and energy. And when I wake up, I'll have a sentence, I'll have a line, I'll have a name, I'll have a point. And then I just act it out. I go execute it. And that is what living outside of the country really helps me do is slow down to listen what what do people need? What's the next thing for me to offer? And doing it in a way that's not hurried, it's not stressful, it's also not driven by a particular goal. It's just driven and led by the desire that there's another jewel that I've uncovered and I figure out how to present it to someone else. 
because I don't believe that it was only helpful for me and not for anybody else. That's uh, really, really well said. You know, it's, um, I've lived on the sales side of technology for a long time, and I always give credit to the notion that effective listening is one of the best skills I learned, one of the first skills I learned in the sales craft. Mm-hmm. Um, and what effective listening is, is not listening, it's knowing what question to ask. Mm-hmm. So when you begin listening, you, you know what you're listening for. And when we turn that skill on ourselves, right, and we asked ourselves, you know, what the right question is, right? When we when we asked ourselves, you know, should I be doing, who should I be in service to? Mm-hmm. Who can I bring the most value to? Um, that's that's where magic happens, yes. and and it all comes out of listening. And and leaders, they're really good listeners, because uh, Einstein said that. If you only have 60 minutes to solve a problem, a really tough problem, take the first 55 minutes to find out what question you should ask. Mm-hmm. Then it will only take five minutes to solve the problem. And if we would do that with ourselves, um, it, it works, right? It worked for Einstein in solving complex problems. And there's nothing more complex sometimes with than the, the alligators that we grapple with in our personal lives, the internal uh, the internal chaos that that we we grapple with, and that's why mindfulness becomes so important to uh, to to being able to quiet the the voices, so we can listen to what's important and not to just the noise. Um, listen, we're we're coming up on forty minutes or so, and I promise that we keep it short because I think that when people listen to to, to you, Monique, we, we want them to get the essence of, of what you, you, you have to say on this episode. But I believe that, you know, I'd love to, um, to, to, to do a part two or three, perhaps, because the notion that creating a life that you want is this other product that you have that you're building on. And the theme in and of itself is a powerful theme. And I know you've got a lot to say on that subject. So, you know, if, if I could get you to join me again to talk specifically about, you know, building that, that product and who it's for and what the discrete pieces are in terms of the deliverable, I think that that would be a great conversation because I want to know. <laughs> Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. Yeah. So as we wind down, here's a couple of quick questions. Um, two or three books that you find just wow that you'd like to tell our audience about listening live or on replay? Well, the books that have changed me the most or broadened my mental horizons the most would be Big Magic. Also, all books by um, uh, Jerry and Esther Hicks. And then also there is a book I'm going to go blank now. Who is the gentleman who wrote the chicken noodle soup for the soul? Uh, Campbell. He wrote a book, Success Principles. I read that book um, when it first came out, and it's sort of my ongoing Bible, and I go back to it so many times. But it's a great foundational piece for taking personal responsibility. And I just think that every person who reads that can leap into magical worlds from there. Well, those are great, great, great books. Um, 
Another question. Um, if you could have dinner with anyone alive or dead and have a chat, who would it be and why? Mm. It would probably be with my Papa CR. Uh, you, you talked about that internal dialogue and just recently in the last month or so, I realized that he contributed to the positive track that goes in my mind. He always told me you can do anything, you know, and he lived it. And so I would love to chat with him again and talk about all the things that we can do, we can do together. He often visits me and he likes dessert and I like dessert too. So I think we'd have a good time. <laughs> um, that's very cool. Um, tell everyone how they can get in touch with you. They can visit my website, holisticmastermind.com, and they can also find me on Facebook. Uh, my Facebook page is Monique Alvarez Enterprises. So they can look me up there, but holisticmastermind.com, and there's information there about me and what's going on, and then we'll talk more about it next time too. Sounds good. Um, well, this has been great fun. I am so happy that <clears throat> you were able to make time to join me here in this conversation. Um, I know when I talk to you, I'm always inspired. You always make me smarter. So that's always a good thing to, to do. I will drop your uh, link to your Facebook page in the stream over here. Sweet. And uh, everybody listening live or on replay, um, uh, watch for the next time Monique, Monique Alvarez is is on line having conversation with me because I think the next one will be as interesting as this one and no doubt even better because it will be about create a life that you want. Um, that's something we all want. Um, if, if Monique has some of the keys, then it will be something you'll want to tune in and hear about. So until next time, Monique, thank you so much. Have a super weekend. And uh, everybody listening live, this is Art Jones at The Art of Standing Out. We talk to standout personalities on Thursdays and Fridays that are standing up for what they believe and bringing great value to their people that they serve. Today, it was Monique Alvarez. And uh, tune in on Thursdays and Fridays. There's always something interesting going on here. Until then, peace.